It is Saturday at 12 p.m. And you know what that means. It is time for the most strangest podcast on the internet. You are watching Mega Strange. Hello. This is the podcast. Hello. Uh, We had a guest on today and he was so fucking manly and jacked. I want to trying to get in that mind. That's yeah. The mind space. I just wanted to say to everybody, uh, well, I was going to do like a little intro for the show. Okay. Before we get to the to our very special guest. Uh, this is the Mega Strange Podcast. It's a podcast about all things strange, bizarre, paranormal, and beyond. We yeah. talk about cryptids. We talk about ghosts. We talk about UFOs, conspiracy theories, strange things, and events that happen in history, and also just generally weird and off-kilter and bizarre things happening in our day-to-day lives, which is what we are talking about today. Yeah. We are revisiting one of our favorite subjects, professional wrestling. Possibly the most bizarre sport in the world. Did you know that professional wrestling was the first sport televised in America? No, I didn't know that. Yeah. That makes sense, though. Predates uh, baseball. So perhaps professional wrestling is America's pastime. I do. I really think so. It started in like the carnivals. Uh, with catch wrestling and, and all that stuff. I think it's just been around for like for forever. And I think it's like Americans have come together. Yeah. To enjoy wrestling for a very long time. But today we have a very special treat because we have a wrestler who is a part of New Japan Pro Wrestling. Yes. The Japanese promotion. We are talking to young lion Alex Coglin. Alex was awesome. He was amazing. And not only is he the most jacked guy we've ever talked to, I think he could deadlift 600 pounds. Holy shit. uh, Is the official record. But he's also, and you're not going to believe this, a massive Mega 64 fan. The most jacked Mega 64 fan. He might be the, well, yeah, we're going to have to hold a competition. I think we need to. World's strongest style who is the most jacked mega 64 fan but we do a deadlift contest at game days this guy might be the final boss um we talked to alex about wrestling his wrestling career how he got into it but also his mega 64 fandom yeah um what skits he likes who's his favorite member of mega 64 spoiler alert pretty sure it's sean yeah um, we talk about his favorite video game series, Mortal Kombat. We talk about how he used to play music in a ska band before becoming a professional wrestler. I, this is my new favorite thing that we do. Every interview we get, we go to ska, like we somehow get to ska. Yes. And then we talk about his incredible career and the rise that he has been on for the past few years, rising through the ranks. He just had a feature article about him in Pro Wrestling Illustrated come out last month. And he was just a really cool guy to talk to. Yeah. He comes from uh, your neck of the woods. Yeah, from Long Island. Long Island, New York. You guys get to bond over that. He said coffee. That made me feel at home. He did. And he describes the rigorous training that you have to go through (laughs) to be a young lion at the LA Dojo. Uh, It was a fascinating conversation. And I think even if you only have a passing knowledge of professional wrestling, or maybe you're not even a fan, you're still going to think that this is an interesting interview because this is just an interesting story. Yeah, we definitely like go through like it's not just about wrestling. We talk about a ton of stuff, and I think uh, most non-wrestling fans would get a kick out of this interview. Yeah, we hope you enjoy it. Um, it's about an hour long interview, yeah. so I think we should just get to it. Sure. Um. um so, do, do you want to chop me? Do you want me to chop yeah, you? Yeah, let's do it. Let them watch the interview. Okay. <laughs> and, and Alex will describe chop school and what a chop is. And then, and then when they're watching that part of the interview, they're going to think, wait, Derek's going to do this to Johnny at the end of this show? Come back and see how it goes down. Yeah. This is our interview with Alex Coglin. Yo, everybody. Thank you for joining us. We are here with the... Young Lion from L.A. Dojo and New Japan Pro Whoa. Wrestling, Alex Coglin. Alex, how you doing? Doing fantastic. Another beautiful morning down here in Los Angeles. I got my coffee, got my vitamin C, and I'm ready to rock. How are you guys doing? 
We're doing great. We're hanging out. Uh, we've just been chatting for a few minutes now and uh, catching up. You're you're currently in Los Angeles by way of New York, um, training at the LA Dojo. Um, yeah, and we were just talking about how we recently saw you at the New Japan Resurgence show at the LA Coliseum just a few weeks ago. Right, right. Just a couple weeks out, me and Carl went to war, and yeah, bet you guys enjoyed the show. Thanks for coming out. Yeah, absolutely. It was awesome. Yeah. Um, that was like our first show back, or like first uh, show that we saw post like the pandemic and stuff, and it was you guys were amazing. I appreciate that very much. Yeah, that was our first show back with uh, people too. We've obviously been doing the uh, the, the shows with uh, with no crowd, the tapings, and it's better than nothing. But man, it's not the same without the people there. It was just incredible, incredible to have everybody back, and then just you know you feed off the energy of the crowd. A whole different story. And man, I am just so happy that we're finally back doing it in front of people. That's what it's all about, man. Yeah, I, we're we're uh, excited to be back going to live shows as well. Um, do you guys have any more um, shows coming up in America soon? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We have a handful of shows planned. Our, our next stop is going to be in Dallas. We're going to be in Dallas, Texas, uh, September 25th and 26th at the, let me make sure I get all the information right, at the <laughs> Curtis Colwell Center. I will nice. be on both of those shows as well, my LA Dojo brothers, and maybe a couple surprises. So if you're in the area and you want to come on down, a couple of your buddies might be showing up too. That'll be cool. Oh, yeah. yeah if, I if think, you're down uh, for some wrestling. I think our friend Eric is going to be at that show. That's Ooh. right. Yeah. Let's talk to him a little bit. And, He's uh, with us at LA. He's out there in Texas <laughs> now. So, um, Alex, we wanted to talk to you kind of about your wrestling career and uh, how things have been going for you and also how you got into it. But first and foremost, you're a Mega 64 fan, apparently. Yeah, we need to we need to talk about that. We were yeah, at the man. show tweeting about it and then you tweeted back at us uh, and we were just so surprised that anybody in that wrestling promotion would know who we were. How are you even familiar with Mega 64? You guys are fucking Mega 64. That's how I know you. Yeah. Uh Back in high school, back in the Dizzy, um, you know, my friends watch all your guys' stuff. It's the classics. I love all your the Comic-Con videos uh, going around. The, I love the original Skyward Sword video. Or, uh, basically, anytime uh, Sean dresses up as a character and does goofy shit in front of people or Rocco, uh, we'd always lose our minds at. But you guys have been, uh, yeah, you've been rocking and rolling consistently for... How long has it been? It's been over a decade for you guys. Gosh, it's nonstop. Well, yeah, we've been going since 2003. Uh, okay, almost two years. decades. Excuse me. <laughs> yeah, we're going on 20 years of this of this nonsense. Incredible. Can I? Do you mind if I uh, ask a couple questions oh, back? Please. Little, yeah. By all means. A little tat. Yeah. I mean, how, how, how did you guys? Sorry, how did you come up with the idea? I know that's the most boring question you can ask in an interview. How do you get your ideas? But like. How'd you guys come up with that? How'd you sit down as a group of what I assume is just your buddies from growing up or locally? Like, man, just make some funny ass video game content and just put it out there and see what happens. That basically what happened. Yeah. You know, we were all uh, in theater and, you know, it was kind of like bringing together everything we love, like acting, video games and um, like not sketch comedy honestly like we were big fans of jackass and tom green and all of these shows where you were just kind of going out into public and messing with uh unsuspecting people out there which i guess in 2003 was a novel idea you can't really do that now gimmick yeah you can't really get away with that in 2021 post pandemic yeah there's people like (laughs) at the time i feel like people didn't really have cameras and it was like really like inspiring and like new to have people just like make content with video games i know that's not like yeah people do that in droves now but at the time it was like really cool to yeah what we were at the time of. yeah back then in the early 2000s who was it it was just you and the angry video game nerd basically yeah essentially <laughs> yeah yeah and we yeah. didn't even know i mean i wasn't even aware of the angry video game nerd at the time so it was just us. I remember we used to walk around with this giant camera. It was like the size of a football. And we would take it 
with us in the like 7-Eleven and everywhere we went, we were just always filming and nobody cared. Like the cashiers would be like, oh, are you making a movie? Hi. Like today they'd be like, what are you doing? Yeah. Get the fuck, get out. The fuck out of here. Like, <laughs> you can't film in here. That's so interesting to hear that they were like receptive to that kind of thing back in the day, especially in like the early 2000s. But yeah, before yeah. YouTube, nobody had any concept of that these videos would go public or that they would be seen. You know, they're like, oh, just for your home movies. Oh, that's an interesting point. I didn't think of that. Yeah. YouTube was like, what, 2005, 2006? Yeah, exactly. It didn't blow up for another year or two after. So people Which, just thought, yeah, just making some home movies, just some memories, right? I would be more weirded out if I worked at 7-Eleven and somebody started filming me like, yeah, this is just for my home movies. Yeah. <laughs> what are you do with this shit? It is going right next to my human skin collection. Yeah, yeah. like you scoping me out? You going to kill me later? <laughs> um, so on the converse, I would love to ask like you, like what kind of got you started in wrestling to begin with? Absolutely. I mean, I imagine like a lot of people you'd ask, it goes back to, as long as I can remember, I've been a wrestling fan since, let's say, kindergarten. Let's say the, the actual start was me and my friend, uh, Steven. Yeah, we were in kindergarten together, you know, parents setting up play dates. I go over his house. He was a big wrestling fan. I'd never watched it before. And after the first episode I saw, uh, I was hooked. It was a big Mick Foley guy. And I was just based off his character and his wrestling. I didn't even realize he was also a Long Island guy which just was the cherry on top. And ever since then, man, uh, that's, been, uh, that's been all I ever really thought about. And you, know, you start with the American products back in the day, WWF, WCW, and it didn't take long for me to try to branch out and try to find worldwide wrestling to see. Um, it, it's so interesting. Because it's just like any other parts of culture, like music or theater or any sort of performance. Um, it's so different depending on uh, where it's from. Roots may be the same. American, I believe, uh, that's the country of origin for pro wrestling through the carnivals and everything. It eventually became a spectator sport. But as it spread out through the whole world, basically, um, it just branched off. And Japan, the style is so radically different than the Canadian style. And the Mexican style is just so completely different in Lucha. And then you have the British style. And even in places like Africa and China and Egypt, uh, pro wrestling is going to be so different. And I just dove into it and tried to watch as much stuff as I could. And I know it sounds like, you know, of course I work for New Japan, but this was always the dream. Not just saying it because I'm here now, but I just fell in love with the Japanese style the most. And um, I'm super happy I have the opportunity to train here of all places specifically, not just with New Japan, but here in the LA Dojo under Katsuyori Shibata, arguably one of the greatest to do it in the Japanese style. And and man, just my whole life, it's what I've always wanted to do. And I just feel so incredibly lucky that I have an opportunity to do it, not just to do it at the level I'm doing it, but to actually do it for a living. That's the dream. Man, I don't plan on slowing down or stopping. I'm taking this all the way to the top. That's awesome. That was awesome, yeah. Do you remember what, when or what first turned you on to the Japanese style of wrestling when you first discovered it and what in your mind set it apart so that for you it was, you know, that's that's the, the style that I want to go to? Of course, yeah. I'd say the first taste I got of the Japanese style was the early to mid-90s All Japan King's Road style, which I think might have been a lot of people's first uh, glimpse into the Japanese style of wrestling. I think it was specifically one of Kenta Kobashi and Mitsuharu Misawa's matches. And I saw a clip. I think it was just a highlight video. I think it was their 2003 match, maybe in Noah or one of the early ones in all Japan that I saw. But man, it's like these, these beefy ass Japanese dudes are just dropping each other on their heads and just smacking each other in the face with their elbows. It's fucking tight. <laughs> Why don't we do this over here? I want to watch so much more of this. And ever since then, any of you see all those guys back then, if they like uh, Toshiaki Kawada and even all the people that are still wrestling now, like I've had uh, the, the chance to work with legends, actual legends like uh, Satoshi Kojima, Yuji Nagata, and all these people. Like uh, my first tour in Japan, I spent a lot of time with uh, Nakanishi san, Tenzin san, and Makabe san, and Hama san. And they're also giving and smart and every time you step in the ring even if it's just a six or eight man tag 
or E4, and you're only in there for a minute or two, you learn something important every time you're in there. And so valuable to speak to. I've been doing it for so long. And the people that I watched growing up that actually inspired me. And it's just an incredible feeling. And every single to this day, every single time I'm in there, whether it's somebody like uh, Nagata-san or Kojima-san, or even just my buddies that I live with or train with, like TKC, Jet, Narita, or my close friends, the LA Dojo OGs and Carl and Clark, um, you, you learn something. But yeah, I guess uh, that was a bit of a tangent, but yeah, Japanese wrestling is pretty cool, man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so when you discovered that stuff around 2003, how old were you at that time? Oh man, uh, born in 93. So I was about nine or 10. I don't even remember how I saw the clip. Some grainy ass AOL, someone sent it to me on AIM or something. Just saw some clips. I think it was the Burning Hammer specifically. Now it's a torture acquisition. Guys face up, right across the shoulder. Yeah. And you just dump the guy to the side on his head. <laughs> um, <laughs> nine or ten that's like pretty young to be getting yeah, into be down with all like, japan yeah worldwide wrestling yeah. promotions did you yeah just oh go ahead <laughs> well, i was yeah, gonna just, ask uh, were you alone in this where was it you and a group of friends or you know was this kind of like your secret pastime <laughs> watching um, i don't want to say it was super secret i'd be vocal about it yeah but i was the dork that'd be like oh yeah raw was tight uh undertaker yeah but did you <laughs> Okay, I see Hanma, he did a diving headboard off the top rope, and people would be like, hey, cool, but here, here, I brought Sako in. I made a Sako at home. <laughs> I was just spinning my wheels talking to, to nobody in particular. That was kind of just my own thing for a little while, but I eventually uh, found some people who were dorky about wrestling as I was, I could share my love with. And, yeah, uh, it was hard to find, but I'm, I'm glad I found my buddies that also appreciate the Japanese wrestling. Yeah, definitely. Like the Japanese uh, promotions have skyrocketed in popularity over the last like 10, 20 years. Um, it is just the genesis of the internet and ease of access that really helped. Absolutely. So at that time, you know, at that young age, did you, were you set like, I'm going to be a wrestler? This is what I want to do? Or was it more of a dream? Was it, you know, something that you'd like to do, but you didn't really know how? to get into it. Cause I imagine when you're that young, you know, high schools, they, they don't, I don't know. Like how do you yeah. get into wrestling at that age? You there, know, yeah, there's like mat wrestling, but it's hard to kind of seek out pro wrestling. Yeah. It was probably exactly what you said where it's, it was my dream, but like, how do you do it? I remember talking to my dad. I was like, yeah, I want to be a wrestler. And he's like, Oh, you can join the wrestling team in high school. And I was like, can I have a signature move? Can I do a choke slam? And he was yeah. like, I don't think so. And I was like, ah, then fuck that. I'm not doing that. Is cursing okay? I don't want to. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Say whatever you want. Okay, cool. And I was like, fuck that. If I can't grab people by the throat and slam them down, then why would I do it? I don't care. <laughs> so I just didn't, <laughs> didn't wrestle in middle school or high school. And then eventually I was able to do my own research to find out how you start. And um, you know, everybody has different paths. Some people, some of those notable wrestlers that are doing it today, they, they start just by wrestling on the trampolines in the backyard. But I... Waited until I was old enough to uh, A4, first of all, and be, be able to, to travel on my own accord to a wrestling school. And I did my own research, and I found a school, NYWC. It's in uh, Deer Park, Long Island, which was 10 minutes from where I grew up. Again, super lucky. And I started there when I was about 21. And I trained there for about four or five months, and I had my first match. And then I, uh, I had a shoulder injury and it took me out for a while. And then life got in the way. I got a job. I was too busy. I always had wrestling on the mind. But in 2000, uh, December of 2017, I finally had the, the time and the money to go back. So I trained there for another few months. And then I heard about the LA Dojo system. Uh, I've been a fan of New Japan as long as I've been a fan of Japanese wrestling. And I found out on their website, they announced that they're opening the school in Carson, California. And that they were going to hold training camps, five day blocks broken up into weeks, up 30 people per camp. And I was like, this is where I got to be. It's just a training. They were very, very specific on the website. They said, um, it's not a tryout. It's just training. Come here and see what New Japan's about in America. And um, 
yeah, see what we're about. And I remember me and my one buddy, Jose, we, uh, we took off of work the, the nights that um, the application process went live as they announced two weeks beforehand that they were going to hold the training camps in March. And then I think it might have been like Valentine's Day. It might have been the 14th, 14th or 18th. At 8 p.m., yeah, the website was live. And we kept refreshing the page, 8 p.m., 7.59, 8 p.m. until we can actually hit the application. But we had it all filled out and ready. We were the first people to do it. And then uh, they said, if you don't hear back from us within five business days, then you didn't get picked. And three weeks later, both got the email saying, hey, you're good to go. You're coming to the, the second week of camps. Um, fly out here, take care of the hotel. You got to send us all your insurance information. They're very thorough, making sure everybody's got everything that they need beforehand, make sure everybody's safe. And um, uh, we did. And the rest is history, man. Turns out um, they kind of were scouting people. So after the, the, the last day of our round of camp, they pulled me into the back room. We were all in the, in the, the main area. It's just one giant room, the dojo, with the wrestling ring and some, and some weights. So all the, the 30 trainees at the camp were just sitting in chairs all around the perimeter of the room. And uh, Katsuhiro Shibata and Scorpio Sky, actually, um, still in AEW right now, that he helped run all those camps. Scorpio Sky wow. uh, came up to me at the end of the last day and said, hey, um, messed up some some information on your insurance form um so you have to go into the back room and take care of it just for uh, just for the books just so the japanese office doesn't get in trouble with anything and i was like i i mean i i didn't fuck anything up i made sure of that but whatever you say man i'll go back there and they're like i bring you back don't tell anybody but in a couple months come back like, oh, oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. Cool. Sick. <laughs> wow. Oh, my God. So, um, and yeah, ever since then, we've been uh, rocking and rolling, training out here exclusively, putting the work every day. And yeah, that's, that's how I got into it. That's awesome. So um, after the, the five days passed, you know, before that three week mark, were you just thinking like, that's it? It's over, you know? I was so bummed, man. Going into work, I worked at a gym. I was a personal trainer for a while over at the World Gym, and uh, I just didn't talk to anybody. I was like, "Fuck, man!" I didn't get picked for New Japan. <laughs> yeah, uh, but why am I even here? Dang, man, Wait, so, when I did. <laughs> so then you did get accepted, and uh, I guess you were just going to this training camp. Where did you tell your work like I'll be back in a few weeks? I'm just going to this camp, or was it like, hey, this is my opportunity. I'm gone. Yeah, I mean, I gave my heads up, and they were like, yeah, cool, go. <laughs> I, I, I wasn't a an essential cog in the wheel there, so it wasn't a big deal if I wasn't there for for a week or so. Oh man, it was fun because uh, I never really traveled much before that. I mean, from the East Coast, never really went westward. So me and my buddy, um, we, we made a bit of a trip out of it. We, uh, we went there a couple days early, and they actually had um, a show the day before our camp started. It was a day or two. I can't remember if it was a Saturday or the Sunday because the camp was Monday through Friday. But it was at the Walter Pyramid in Long Beach. I think it was Strong Style Evolved. And uh, we were able to get last-minute tickets, and we watched it. And then almost six months later to the day after I saw that show, I had my debut in the same arena under New Japan with Clark. That's awesome. And it was just a cool, quick, full circle kind of thing. And I hope I have a lot more of those. It was just an incredible feeling. That's really fast. It seems like, yeah. you know, once you got into this, the, the wheels just started turning on this thing. Did you ever expect for, for things to move as quickly as they did? Absolutely not. But man, in, in that situation, uh, I, I guess uh, pressure turns coal into diamonds, man. Um, just have to take it head on, take it day by day, and just keep going. And we did, and it fucking worked. <laughs> and I was ready, and we had a match, and just haven't stopped since then. That's so radical. Um, you said you were uh, originally trained in New York. Uh, was it like a smooth transition to like? Uh, go from like that training to like Shibata style of wrestling. It was not smooth at all. It's so <laughs> radically different <laughs> from anything I've ever done. And NYWC is a great training school. Um, 
when, when I was there, you would practice Tuesday and Thursday, and then they had Sundays, which was an extra day. If you want to come in, just work on whatever you wanted. It wouldn't be structured like work out and do your squats and stretching beforehand, and then you run through the basics, and then there's advanced class after. Um, the workouts were good. The training was good. But in New Japan, there's no days off. You're doing 500 squats, 100 push-ups. God knows how long you're doing planks for, hundreds of sit-ups every day just to make sure you're in ring shape. And it's just different. And that's not a knock on any school around here, but there's no school in America. There's no school in the world, except for maybe the Japanese dojo, the Nogate Dojo in New Japan that trains like we do. And uh, there's a reason why we're here. And we can take that. We can handle it. Not just anybody can do it. We got scouted out of hundreds of people, all of us that are here, hundreds from all over the world. When we were first here, we took that first training camp um, me and my friend were from New York. We were from all the way across the country. We were like, yeah, we travel here the furthest. We want this the most. And when we all go out, you know, we're going to find some buddies. We're going to link up with some of the guys there. We get to pick where we get to go to eat because we're the, we're the biggest tourists. We're East Coast versus West Coast. But there were people from Germany, China, Australia, um, all coming through, all wanting to get an opportunity just to train for New Japan because nobody knew it was a tryout, kind of a kayfabe tryout. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so we were bummed that uh, we hung out with a bunch of people that just took us to uh, Chili's and Chipotle yeah. and Buffalo Wild Wings and Five Guys because they don't have it in Australia or Germany or anywhere else. So that part kind of sucked. But it was fun hanging out with them. That I, I was in California. didn't get any street tacos or, or cool Japanese fusion food. I just ate at all the places that are 10 minutes from my house in Long Island. <laughs> but I made up for it eventually. Yeah, um, I would love to know like what like just a day in the life at the LA dojo is like. If you could like kind of talk about that, of course. Yeah, well, we get up usually around eight eight thirty. Do a little bit of cleaning around the house. Just whatever needs to be wiped down the kitchen, sweep up some floors. Um, eat your breakfast. Hopefully nothing too big because you're gonna throw it up if you do. <laughs> we had the training about nine thirty, ten o'clock. Do about forty five minutes of warm up. Running around, doing our uh, our dynamic warm ups and stretching, and we start off. We just hit the ground running. When we were first over here, it was a lot of amateur work, a lot of wrestling, which I didn't have a lot of experience. I had zero experience doing that before. But um, we would just kill each other for two or three hours, and then we would do um, more the pro wrestling kind of uh, training, where we'd work on you know slamming each other, running the ropes, all the basics for another two hours or so. And then after, he'd uh, work out. We have weights at the dojo. So we do another two hours or so of lifting. And we go home and um, we make uh, chanko nabe, very uh, Japanese traditional style uh, stew, which takes another hour or two to make. So it's a, it's a full ass day by the time we're done with dinner, which is just enough time to shower, unwind for an hour and sleep and do it again. It's hardcore, but God damn it, man, if I don't love it, I had a taste for Chanko, but that spicy kimchi pork. <laughs> that sounds extremely regimental. Like, uh, the, the bar is set very high. Yeah. That's the Japanese style, man. It's in their culture. It's in their blood. And if they accept me into their culture, I'm going to, I've had first into it and do it to the best of my ability. There was an adjusting period for sure. Wasn't used to that. Uh, but now, yeah, now, now I'm in, I'm, I'm in the groove. I got the got the hang of it. Yeah. What was there uh, like a mental switch that got flipped along the way where it was like, I you go from I don't know if I can do this to I have a, a handle on this or there was never a period where I thought, man, this might be too much for me. I knew like, man, this is it for me. I'm just gonna fucking do it. Sometimes it hurts. Sometimes I'm tired. I'm sweating. I'm bleeding. <laughs> can barely get out of bed because you're odd. So you know, those first couple weeks doing. One time we did 3,000 squats in, a, in just one go, not broken up into sets or anything. Just It was like two hours or so just squatting. And after we counted out loud, because you count everything. Every time you do reps, any sort of workout, count. And if you're not the one counting, you're the one responding. At the top of your lungs, it's one, high, two, high. So your voice is always fucking scratchy from screaming. And your legs are fucking dead from doing thousands of squats. So the first couple of weeks were tough, but your body adjusts. 
there's a lot of nutrients in that choco. There's a reason they eat it. A lot of protein, a lot of carbs, a lot of good, uh, a lot of good veggies, vitamins, and, and nutrients. All that jazz. So, um, just find the groove. You push through. And there have been people that have come through here. They thought they could make it, but they um, they had to bow out. And respect to them. They understand the limits of their body. But it's not for everybody. That's why we're here, and other people aren't. Definitely. Did you play any sports growing up? Were you an athletic kid? I was, uh, I did a handful of things. Mostly soccer was my main sport. That was the first one I did and the one that I played for longest. I played a little bit of rugby. I played some baseball, but um, not super into sports. Didn't watch a lot of them. We went to a lot of baseball games growing up. I was always a Mets fan. And like every Mets fan, I didn't choose to follow the Mets. My parents just brought me to Mets games, so I just assumed that was the team that I had to like. So we did that, and that was always fun. But uh, I stopped soccer around 13 or 14, and then I just really went into weightlifting. And um, a little bit of rugby in college after that. Yeah, not, not a lot of sports. Where did Mark you, and Carl, uh... when we first moved in, they were, they were always uh, – they were the football guys. They'd always talk about that. They played football their whole lives. and. I never had any idea what the fuck they were talking about. So that was fun. <laughs> I was going to ask, where did you go to college? Um, I spent one year at SUNY New Paltz and then uh, came back because I didn't have a major and realized that I was wasting money going away to school and not having a major yet. So I went back to Suffolk for another year, finished two years. And that's basically when I started wrestling. And I devoted a lot of time to that. And then that whole story from before, it all connects just Nice. You mentioned uh, you started training when you were 21 and then you suffered a shoulder injury. You took a couple of years off. Um, What were those years like and what made you feel like I got to get back into wrestling? What what was the thing that kind of spurred you to go back into training? Well, the original injury, I had a a, a torn labrum in my in my right shoulder. It's just a free thing that happened. Um, it took a while to heal. Uh, I felt really weird showing up to work in, in, in an arm sling, trying to put weights away and train people, but you got to do what you got to do. Yeah. And it got busier and busier. And the thing that really put a fire in my ass was seeing my friends that I did train with actually start to do things, get booked at bigger places, work with bigger names. I was like, fuck, why am I not doing that? Why? I was like, oh, I'm making money here. It's smart. I should save. What should I do? And it was a big point of contention. I was on the fence. What should I do? What should I do? And eventually I was like, nah, man, I got to wrestle. Fuck everything else. So I did. And the timing was just perfect when, when I went there. And with, with New Japan specifically, I think it was uh, very helpful for me that I didn't have all those years of training under my belt. They were looking for people they could mold, people with a little bit of experience. Because when I went to the camp, cumulatively, I only had about six months of wrestling under my belt, which is why I don't like saying that I started when I did, which was technically 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I don't have six years of wrestling experience closer to now four. And um, yeah, just, I, I, I had that fire just seeing people pass me in my own dream. And I was like, Oh, fuck those guys. <laughs> I dream I'm going to do it. And um, yeah, it just worked out. Thank God. <laughs> Do you remember the the last match you saw before you were like, I'm going back in a tree. I can't not be doing this any longer. There are a handful. Um, I think it was an NYWC show. Um, at that point, it was kind of like a thing where I stopped wrestling there. So I was kind of embarrassed to go back. Like, oh, because you see it's a rotating door a lot. Like you're training and then you see this one guy come in, hasn't been there for a while. And you're like, oh, this guy's back. Oh, he's going to come. And he's going to leave again. Uh, Here's his one day of training for a year, and he's not going to show up. I didn't want to be that guy. So I knew I didn't want to come back in until I was 100% sure. So I went back in, and I saw my, my friend. When I first started training, um, he, he wound up being my tag team partner when I came back to NYWC in 2018. He's Mike Nobody's better. When we first started training, he, he's a few years younger than me. He was like a 17, 18-year-old kid, super skinny, super quiet, shy, and reserved. And um, I remember the, the moment that stuck out with me before I got injured and stopped. We were doing chop class, which everybody who's, who's trained wrestling knows that that'd be fun. 
<laughs> for people who so, don't know, can you describe what, what chop class is? Okay. So in pro wrestling, no Ric Flair, you know, anybody else. Chop, basically, one person stands there, chest open, one person comes across, all their might smacks you in the fucking chest. Ooh, that whole thing. And um, it hurts. It hurts. There's, there's no two ways about it. You're just smacking somebody full force in the chest. But open, you bleed, you have handprints. Um, and the class itself is everybody who's there. Um, one person goes at a time, one person stands either in the middle of the ring or in the corner. So the rope chest out, everybody gets a shot. They all line up, they go once or twice. How else can you practice chops? It sucks, you gotta do it, but that's how you learn. And it was Mike's turn, little Mike. He was in there and, you know, people have gone before him. They chop, ow, fuck, people had powder, they were getting out of there, you need to take a second sip of water. He didn't crack once. Oh. This 140 pound kid chopped some 300 pounders, some kids. I was like, I'm gonna make him fucking scream. I went as hard as I could, went, didn't make a sound. Like, yeah, this fucking kid's tough. Seeing him leaving wrestling myself and then watching him turn into what he has. One of the best heels that they have there now. He's an incredible wrestler. Just his fire, just how loud he's got, just how comfortable he's got. He's coming to his own. I was like, this fight, this, why can't I? I should do this. If he can do that, if he gets that fucking good, I'm going to be even better. I came back and we wound up actually tagging together. And I had the opportunity with New Japan, and um, he basically inspired me to come back into it, and I'm thankful for that. Thank you, Mike. That's so the man. awesome. Yeah. You know, I always feel like you need a, a little bit of healthy competition to kind of motivate you, set a fire. That's how he does, you know, man. That's what it's all about. We're always competing with each other. That's how <laughs> we push each other. So you've wrestled in America, and you've gone over and wrestled in Japan as well, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah, only twice. Um, the first time was over, over the summer of 2019 for the Young Lions Cup. It was the Destruction Tour leading up to um, a big pay-per-view, the Destruction pay-per-view. For weeks, um, we would have uh, a round-robin-style tournament between eight of the, the Young Lions, four from the Japanese dojo, the three from the LA dojo, and the one from the Fale dojo in New Zealand. And um, out of the, the seven matches that I had, I... I had a pretty good record. I won four, lost three, which is not too fucking shabby if I say so myself. Very happy with that. And the second time was actually January of 2020. I haven't been there since. We were only there for one week. It was for Wrestle Kingdom 14. And then we wrestled New Year's Dash, which was six days later. But it was an incredible experience being over there for Wrestle Kingdom. That's their biggest show. That's their Super Bowl. We were in um, the pre-show match. It was an eight-man tag. It was the LA Dojo and Toa Hanare, who is now in uh, the United Empire. He's now Toa Hapton. He's a fucking asshole. But um, <laughs> the other four people were uh, Tomo Akihama, Hama-san, uh, Togi Makabe, Kabe-san, and two of the Japanese young lions in Yuyu Uemura and Yoda Suji. And Uemura's now in the LA Dojo. He's sleeping two rooms over. And um, it's just a crazy full circle thing that we had a chance to work in the Tokyo Dome in front of all those people to show the company just as a young lion. And, Were you um, nervous at all? Like going <laughs> to the Tokyo Dome? <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> a little bit. But man, it, it's a thing where you're backstage, you have the nerves. Once you walk out there and the people see you, fucking switch flips every time, every time. And then you just don't worry about it. You're just focused. And um, that's just how wrestling is. You're nervous until it's time to turn it on, and then it's on. It's go time, baby. There's not a care in the world. You're just trying to kill the other people. Yeah, I think that's kind of how a lot of sports and, you know, performances, anything with an audience or spectators there, you're nervous when you're not doing anything and they're yeah. waiting for you. But then when it's time to go, you just get yeah, in your own head, right? Yeah, I'm glad. Yeah, uh, I had a little bit of experience, uh, I guess you'd say, performing all throughout high school. I was in a bunch of garage bands. I played drums. And, you know, everybody wants to be a fucking singer or guitar player, so drummers are in high demand. I was in a bunch of bands, a bunch of rock, metal. I was in a ska band. Ooh. And we just played a bunch of random shows all over the place. And 
Um, yeah. It, I, it was like the same feeling. Like, I'm nervous. All these people are going to watch me play. But then you're out there and you just fucking crush it and you don't worry about it and you're just in the zone. And wrestling is just so, so similar. And uh, yeah, I'm glad I got to carry something over from my working off high school days, not doing anything to uh, what I'm doing now. Did you ever consider pursuing music? Full-time? Absolutely. Yeah, 100%. I love it. I still want to play it. That's um, probably, I, I don't want to say a regret, but I'm a drummer. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't bring my drums to LA. Um, I haven't played since I moved out here, but I still consider myself a drummer and I can't wait till I get the opportunity to play again. Uh, play again. I'd love to record something or, or just play or even just have my own kid again and just stick around, man. I'd love to have a, a setup and just post up some drum covers of songs that I like and then just take it from there. But uh, hopefully in the near future, I'll be able to do something like that. But I got to get a drum kit first. <laughs> and that's a whole thing. But uh, yeah, it's definitely on the back burner. It's I definitely something I want to go back to. I heard you're a big Slayer fan. <laughs> Huge, man. I love Slayer. And it, uh, is that the kind of music you would play? Were you into like thrash metal and, and stuff like that? You said you did a little bit of everything, but what would you prefer? Yeah, that's the reason uh, Angel of Death, their, their song off Rain and Blood, is literally the reason I picked up a pair of drumsticks. Um, growing up, I had two younger brothers and an older sister. And uh, one year for Christmas, we were all very young. My brother was bouncing all over the place. He was super hyperactive, very high energy. My parents bought a drum kit. And they didn't give it for anybody in particular what, on, on Christmas morning. Like, oh, here's a drum kit. Oh, maybe uh, maybe uh, you can spend some of your energy on the drums for 30 minutes and, and then just go to sleep and shut the fuck up for the rest of the night. And that was the original plan, but he never touched it. And I remember watching Evil Abam uh, a lot, yeah. as all my friends did back in the day. And they had the episode. It's funny, you have, you have the pirate theme set up there for your oh, yeah. studio. Oh, yeah. There was an episode of Evil Abam where he uh, built the pirate bar in his house because he fucking felt like it and was like, I want Slayer to play at my pirate bar. <laughs> and he just fucking got Slayer to play at his pirate bar. And there was a point where he was like, yeah, this is Slayer. If you don't know who they are, you're a fucking idiot. Watch him play. I was like, I don't want to be a fucking idiot. I want to know who Slayer is. So I went on LimeWire and downloaded whatever the first few Slayer songs were. And Angel of Death was there. That was the first song. And that song starts off just fucking hard and heavy. There's that riff. Oh, yeah. And Dave Lombardo goes right into those fucking, that quick 200 BPM, double bass, hard and heavy right out of the gate. And I was like, oh, I want to see if I could do that. And I didn't even know it was, he was doing that with his feet. I took the sticks and I listened to the song. And I tried to play along on the floor, Tom, with the double bass. And I was like, I can't do this. <laughs> this is really hard. So um, I wanted to be able to do it. So that's the reason I started playing drums. And yeah, it was thrash metal. I eventually got into more of the heavier stuff, like uh, death metal, so much fun to play, black and death metal, behemoth, Nile, cryptopsy, Belphegor, things like that. They can't go wrong with the classic thrash. It's just so much more fun. Stuff like Slayer, Anthrax, Morbid Angel, all those guys. Just anything that's fun. Like I said before, I was in the ska band. All my buddies were super into it and they were like do we need a drummer can you fucking do it just don't complain and just do it fine and then i eventually grew on man and bands like a Dash 22 street light manifesto anything tom kalanoki does really yeah. um real big fish uh, i still have them on my rotation every now and then it's always fun to go back to but man um just like wrestling comes in all different shapes and sizes depending on where it's from and it can be just as cool yeah. I, I didn't think we were going to talk about Streetlight Manifesto. I'm from are. New Jersey, so they're like a huge band for me. That's hilarious. Yeah, man. They're, they're big East Coast band. I saw them a couple. I saw them out in L.A., actually. They're one of the few shows I've been to since I moved out to L.A., and it was tight. That's it was so much awesome. fun being there. <laughs> Can I ask what the name of your ska band was? <laughs> it was OBS, O.B.S. And we had a bunch of different acronyms what it stood for but the first one was our bassist sucks oh. and it was just a rib on Vinny who played bass <laughs> because we always joke that he sucked and he didn't suck but wow. that was a good sport about it well he had the whole band named after him so yeah. i guess yeah he wasn't complaining yeah like, yeah i suck this is my band <laughs> one two three then we go into fucking uh, uh whatever everything went numb just a lot yeah. of street light <laughs> covers yeah. 
Um, do you find that there is a difference perform uh, wrestling in America versus wrestling in Japan as far as um, the audience? Yes, absolutely. Um, the American crowd, you know, in TV shows, it's always depicted like the, the super writer, like, yeah, kill them, throwing popcorn, stuff like that. It, it could be very similar to that, but just toned down just a little bit. They're very rowdy, but in a great way. I love the energy. I love the excitement when people get into it and they're yelling, fuck you, kill him, this and that, take his head off. That means they're into it. I love it. But in Japan, treated with, I guess you'd say, uh, more, with more politeness, with more respect, yeah. there's a lot more, more clapping than there's cheering. I mean, pandemic aside, they have to do in Japan. Um, even before all that, you go back and watch any Japanese match. Um, they, they appreciate different things and the things they do appreciate, they appreciate even more differently. But at the end of the day, it's, it's similar, but uh, they, they appreciate the sportsmanship. They appreciate the execution. And of course they appreciate the, uh, the storytelling and the emotion, the intensity, which they also do in America, but um, just a varying degree, I guess you'd say, but I, I love both. I really do. I always love that, like, uh, when Bullet Club got really big, that was, like, unheard of in Japan to have, like, people cheating or, like, showing up to the ring, like, with chairs and stuff. I always thought mm -hmm. that was really interesting that they kind of, like, uh, brought, like, an American style in. Well, in Japan, it's practically, you know, it's one of their national sports, yeah. professional wrestling. You treat it with respect. You follow the rules. Uh, if an MMA fighter walked out and he had a steel chair and a chain, people would be like, what the fuck? Can he do that? <laughs> and it's and so it's like it's it's the same idea with pro wrestling. Like, can that guy just bring a giant claw glove <laughs> thing made of metal? Can he do that? No, no, I didn't think so. But yeah, I, I love bringing the American aspects, to the Japanese audience, and the converse even more so. I love presenting the Japanese style to an American audience, and it's just always fun to to play with the expectations and the, the different crowds and seeing what they're into and showing them what we're about. Um, you've like, like you said before, you wrestled people like uh, Yuji Nagata, Satoshi Kojima. Uh, also, you wrestled like Lance Archer and stuff. Is there anyone like the New Japan roster who you haven't wrestled yet that you like really, really want to wrestle? So many, um, especially now. It, it, it's hard being so separated from it almost feels like two different divisions in the same company, the American side and the Japanese side. I haven't been to Japan since January of 2020. And there are so many incredibly talented people. The asses I just want to fucking kick so bad that are <laughs> stuck there in Japan. And I don't have the opportunity yet. And I have uh, uh, Carl, the man that I fought at Resurgence that you saw. He's fighting Will Ospreay in Dallas. That's a big opportunity. He's a man I'd love to see just get kicked out of just for the things he said, the things he's done. And um, I'm sad that I don't get the chance to do it first, but I'm happy that if it's anyone else, I'm, that it's Carl. Osprey's a big one for me. Um, and of course, I'd, I'd love to lock horns all the legends over there. Uh, Tanahashi-san, who's come to America a couple of times since. So he's a realistic uh, possibility. Anybody in the Bullet Club? Anybody anywhere? Honestly, I specific names? No. Everybody? Yes. Bring them on. I do the Alex Coughlin Open Challenge Match Series. I don't pick my opponents. I usually don't know who's coming through that door until a day or two beforehand. Sometimes not even until the curtain's called. And I'm not picky. I'm just here to wrestle. I don't really mind who. Just as long as they bring the fight. Hell yeah. Um, well, now I'm going to change gears because mm. I'm going to get back to the fact that you like Mega 64 yeah, at some point. Yeah, we need point. to keep talking about let's, it. Let's go. Keep talking right. about it. And uh, I'm assuming that means that you play video games or have, or at least at some point had a nerdy side to your personality. Still do. Never stop. Is that prevalent in the wrestling community are there a lot of wrestlers that have a 
video game background, comic book background, nerdy background, or are you kind of in the minority with that? Shocking amount. <laughs> there are so many. I was so surprised. Because we've done, not just in the New Japan locker room, um, I've done tours with Ring of Honor and um, been to a, a handful of other promotions locker room. And everywhere, wrestlers just fucking love Mortal Kombat. It doesn't matter if they love video games. They just all do. So it's easy for me to talk about Mortal Kombat's my shit. Like, my earliest memories as a human being are my dad handing me an unplugged Super Nintendo controller. And he sits behind me playing through Mortal Kombat 3 as Kung Lao destroying Shao Kahn. And I think I'm the fucking man when I'm just fucking spitting on the controller thinking <laughs> I'm playing. I love what uh, Mortal Kombat. And it's... Uh, Seen so many people share love for for video games and things that I grew up in, things that I might have shied away from talking about before. Because in wrestling, you're like, I don't want this person to think I'm a dork or think I'm a nerd. Right. To, to not having to worry about that. Fucking everybody loves it. And some people are like, yeah, I don't really play too much, but you're like, oh, you never played anything. But like, oh, growing you know, I, I played Mario a little bit, a little bit of Mario Kart, and you're like, ah, there you go. There's some common ground. Everybody's played something. I'm not worried about it anymore. But yeah, video games are tight, man. <laughs> That's cool. I was uh, talking before this interview, and it just must be a generational thing because who amongst our age like didn't grow up with video games? Yeah, it's true. For sure. Yeah, you hear stories of the old guard, and then people want to emulate the old guard because they didn't really have video games back then. And the people are still around like, ah, what the fuck are you kids doing? Back in my day, we play video games. But um, yeah, people don't really do that. <laughs> I, I thought that's for sure what it would be like. Uh, kind of poo-pooed or frowned upon but yeah like you're saying it's totally a generational thing and uh, i think coming up that's not going to be really an issue or something that people ever have to worry about being afraid to be like yeah i was a fucking dork man by just the definition of the word i'm still pretty tight but i also play video games i think that's nerdy but um, yeah I, 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 I have encyclopedic knowledge of mortal Kombat lore the most useless fucking thing a human being can take up space in their brain with but man I love that shit. What did you think of the Mortal Kombat movie? Did you see it? The new one? Yeah. Fuck that movie. I can't <laughs> believe. I can't believe I had to wait 21 years Mortal Kombat Annihilation to get 24 years, excuse me, 97 to 2021. And that's the movie that we got. And no offense if you enjoyed it. Hey, man, flavors of ice cream. You like it. You enjoy it. I fucking hate that movie. I'm glad we like, yeah. around the office. Everyone here was like, "Oh, wasn't, wasn't that bad?" And, and me and Derek were like, uh, "Do we watch the same movie?" Had, I, I like the original Mortal Kombat <laughs> movie better than uh, this original one. Mortal Kombat's awesome, man. I even like Annihilation just for like, oh, sick, that's Potaro. I like Potaro. Oh, sick, Jax has metal arms. Oh, Cyrax is here. Tight. Love that shit. If not for anything else, then I love seeing my characters on the screen. And in the newest one, there was less of that, and. I like how uh, the opening scene, the first seven minutes, the backstory of Sub-Zero and Scorpion, that was awesome. And I like how they gave that away for free on YouTube a month beforehand. Like, oh, if you like the first seven minutes, you're going to like the rest of the movie. They just gave away the best part for free, hoping people would buy tickets. I just wish it was more of that, but it wasn't. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to try to be too negative. Well, <laughs> fuck that movie. <laughs> nice. Yeah, that old bait and switch. You know, here's one yeah. badass fight. The rest of the movie is not going to be like this, but you don't know so that until you already bought the ticket. Would never team up with Kano. Not in a million fucking years. <laughs> not my Sonya, man. You're, you're proving your street cred yeah. as a true Mortal Kombat fan. Oh, for sure, man. Uh, <laughs> I can talk another how long, How much time you got? I can go on. We can, can go on. Go. If they ever asked you to be in a Mortal Kombat <laughs> movie, are you there? I'm there no matter what. I don't care what role, man. Whatever they want me to do, they want me to be a, a, a just a disembodied head on on a spike in in the pit. That's cool with me, man. They want me to be a character, better. But that's the thing in wrestling. Uh, everybody wants to be fucking Johnny Cage. So I, I'd go for any role besides Johnny Cage. Okay, all right. Yeah, what's up with Johnny Cage? I guess because he's like the Hollywood. Yeah, he's like a bad throb. boy. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a he's a great character. I love Johnny Cage, but no one else can do Johnny Cage besides the Miz at this point. He's just the guy. Anybody and a lot of people are trying to be the Johnny Cage in wrestling. They're just wasting their time. Yeah. Um. Do you think 
there is any room in the future for a metalhead wrestler, somebody who is a drummer that idolizes Slayer? Oh, well, if there is a room, I'm going to fucking make some room. <laughs> Watch it. <laughs> I could see you uh, coming out doing like a drum solo, you know? Yeah, just like a big Tommy Lee cage setup where I'm just rolled out to the ring in this giant contraption where I'm upside down just fucking slamming cymbals and some cool-ass crossovers. I don't even have an entrance theme. I'm just playing a drum solo every time I come out. I think that'd be pretty cool. That'd actually be fucking Expensive, but cool. <laughs> Flying yeah. out with a drum solo upside down, then you drop into the ring and beat some ass. Exactly. And I'll think about that exact idea. Thank you. <laughs> Um, I did definitely want to talk about uh, New Japan Strong a little bit. You're you're featured weekly on uh, uh, New Japan's like new TV program on Access TV. Has like your life changed at all? Like being featured on TV uh, weekly? Not really. Oh wow. Yeah. Um, it, it's cool. I mean, I get some some weird DMs on Instagram more often than before. But besides that, I mean, you know, well, not really approach me in real life, but um, on, online people will reach out and be like, Hey man, watching your work and you've been improving or, or I love what you're doing or Hey man, fucking suplex is cool. And I always think that's, that's cool, but just a little bit more of that. But man, now that we have the, uh, the crowds coming back, we're doing shows. I expect that to grow exponentially, which I'm, I'm super looking forward to. I like when people are telling me that, I, that I'm cool. <laughs> Feel free to DM me that might not respond, but I'll read it. <laughs> always read it. Um, yeah, so you've been doing this for a few years. You've, you've been having a lot of success. We just saw that you had a write-up in pro wrestling illustrated, um, yeah. recently. How'd you, how'd that come about? Did they interview you for that or did they just write that about you? Um, they, they approached me, they asked me, Hey, we want to do, um, you know, a feature on you. Um, here's some questions. If you want to do it, great. Um, just sent us back a week or so, uh, the questionnaire, um, and yeah, just a couple emails back and forth. And I thought it was really cool that, that, that WI of all people reached out to me to do a feature. That's cool to know that like, will actually have eyes on me. It's a great feeling. It's so cool. And, uh, yeah, of course I bought the magazine. It's, it's, it's a whole page too. It's got a picture and it's just a whole page spread. It, it was, a uh, that's one of those times where, where you stop and smell the roses. Like you're always in go mode. You're always focusing, you're always training. Like, what do I want to do next? What do I want to do next? What's next for me? Yeah. Sometimes you just gotta take a step back and be like, man, it's pretty fucking cool. That was yeah. definitely one of those times. That's the kind of thing you like frame, hang up on yeah, the wall. I have it. My closet, <laughs> I ain't getting rid of it. Hell yeah. Once I, uh, once I get my own wall to hang stuff up on, then, uh, going up there for sure. That's so awesome. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it seems like everything is rocking and rolling for you. Um, things are on the up and up. Now that, you know, things are weird, obviously. The pandemic kind of shut everything down and then stuff opened up. But now we're not sure if it's like what, what the deal is. Um, so what, what kind of is on your horizons, um, coming up? Do you have uh, beyond the Dallas show, any long-term goals or commitments, or is this just day by day? We, we see what happens. Like you're saying, you can never truly know what's coming tomorrow. It's never promised, especially now in, in this era with the pandemic, like you're saying, things opened up and then things shut back down. It's not just cut and dry. It's not. We're slowly getting better. Things ebb and they flow. They go up and they go down. You never really know. We have tentative plans. Um, we have things scheduled for Philadelphia. We're going to be doing an East Coast uh, set of tapings too. That's going to be coming up in October. And um, maybe some beyond I've heard rumblings about. But that's all case by case. But whatever the situation is, I'm going to be wrestling somewhere. Whether it's in front of people or we have to go back to taping, I'm going to be fucking wrestling. That's what I'm focusing on mainly, making sure that I'm getting better as a, as a wrestler. No matter where I am, it's worth watching. I hope, I hope, I really do that 
and continue to do the shows in front of live people because Resurgence was such a success. It was awesome being there in front of people again. And uh, the feedback from the show was also incredible. And um, I just hope we can ride that momentum keep it going. But if we can't, at the end of the world, we came back with the strong tapings. Do it again. Enjoy strong. People watch it. So that's always a good, uh, it's a good fallback. But I hope we can forward. That's great. Well, um, I think that's all the questions yeah, I had, really. I, I'm unbelievably inspired right now. I'm going to go do 5,000 <laughs> squats, I think, after this interview. Hell I'm yeah. Try. yeah. Don't forget the, uh, the, the Epsom salt bath after it helps. <laughs> we appreciate talking to you so yeah, much. Thank you so much. And I think we want yeah. to officially say, if you're a Mega64 fan, of which there are a lot out there, then Alex Coughlin is the wrestler representing us. The Mortal <laughs> Kombat knowledge. The Viva La Bam fandom. That's yeah. a big crossover with Mega 64. So. <laughs> the Venn diagram. It's almost a perfect circle. Exactly. Yeah. So we're well, going to try to get everybody behind you officially. We're going we're gonna to make you our guy. Well, I mean, it was an awesome feeling for me to, for you guys to invite me on the podcast. It was tight. I told my friends about it and they're like, oh, that's so fucking cool. They're excited to hear about it. So I'm going to talk to them about it too. And uh, thank you guys for having me on. And I look forward to maybe doing something like this again sometime. Or maybe uh, if you guys ever need a wrestler for any uh, video projects. I'm not too far. Hey, yeah. We definitely do, yeah. You're just a yeah. drive up the road from us. Um, yeah. Man, we would love to talk again sometime down the road. Just check in with you, see how things are doing. This has like, been such a treat yeah, to, awesome. to have Hell this conversation. Hell yeah, man. Likewise. Anytime. Cool. Well, Alex, uh, we're going to let you go. Is there anything, uh, social media or anything you would like to plug if people want to find you or support you online? Yeah, I have, you know, the, the Twitter and Instagram. Twitter is at Alex Coughlin 93, which is the year I was born. Alex Coughlin was taken. And my Instagram is at something, something deadlift. Cause I couldn't think of anything better at the time. This was before I was a wrestler and I just never changed it. If you're interested in, uh, following me, go for it. And if not, that's cool too. Just see me pop up every now and then, like you do here. And yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for listening, thanks for watching, and thanks for having me. Thank you, thank you, Alex. Awesome. Thank yeah, you this so has been much. great. Arigato, my dudes. Uh, uh, Don't do that hard. We're back, everybody. Oh, Wasn't fuck. that an awesome interview? Oh. <sighs> now that you know what chop school is, I'll. Uh, no, I don't want to let you give me a chop. Okay. Um, I don't know if I want to give you a chop either, because I, I might hurt you. I mean, if you do it, like, not, like, like just like that one, like that. I've gotten chopped before. It's just scary. When have you been chopped before? Uh, I was at a party once, and my friend really liked wrestling, and we were just chilling and talking, and I had a couple drinks, and I just fucking chopped him. And he was like, what the fuck? <laughs> and then, like, later in the night, he got me back. Um... Yeah, you know, I did uh, some color commentary for a local promotion here in San Diego for a few years, for like five years, and they put me in a match once. Yeah. But luckily, I didn't have to take any bumps. Mm -hmm. It was it was kind of a, a gimmick match. Yeah. I, uh, do I even describe what happened? I don't this know. wrestling promotion was kind of like wrestling meets the Marvel Extended Universe. It was very sci-fi and comic bookish. And as the commentator, there was a story where I was possessed by an evil space entity and they gave me like a giant tentacle arm and they're like, basically the match is you going to be using this tentacle arm as a whip yeah, to just beat the shit out of this other uh, wrestler. <laughs> they signed me up for this without, they're like, um, Derek's going to be in a match. And I was like, what? I, what? <laughs> like for real? And they're like, yeah, don't worry about it. And I was like, I'm kind of worried about it. Like, yeah. What am I doing in this? Like, we'll tell you the day of. And that's, so the day of, they like explained to me, but even that was exhausting. Like I got gassed. Yeah. And I didn't even have to take any bumps and I certainly didn't have to take any chops. Yeah. The amount of cardio you just need for basic wrestling is kind of insane. And I definitely didn't do 5,000 squats to Dude, warm up. That blew my mind. Uh, it was a pleasure Talking to Alex. He was such a cool guy. And uh, yeah, you know what? He's uh, he's the Mega 64 Internet Soldier Wrestler, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Yeah, no. He's our guy. Yeah. So uh, check him out. Follow him on social media. Give his TV shows a watch. And um, maybe he's going to be your favorite wrestler from now on out there. 
Mega Strangigans. <laughs> I need to come up with a better name for our fans. Uh, people liked when you said, look up to the skies. Look up to the skies. Keep watching the skies. Um, I do think that that is going to be the end of this yeah. week's episode. Um, thanks again to Alex Cogman for joining us. Thank you, Alex. Hey, if you want to follow us on social media, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter. And uh, be sure to follow the official Mega Strange podcast on Instagram. Yes. And do us a favor. Like, comment. And subscribe. And subscribe to this video. Help us out. Um, and you know what? Pass this video around. If you know anybody who might be interested in hearing what we're talking about today, send them a link because we can always use the new fans, the new followers, and the new friends. Uh, we're going to sign off here, but as promised, uh, I think we're going to do one chop on Johnny. Um, <clears throat> drum roll, please. Don't do too hard. <laughs> Oh.